0: Hey there, my name is Allie, and welcome to A Noble Earthquake, a podcast about California history. This is the sound of the Los Gatos Creek, a 24 mile stream running from the Santa Cruz Mountains through to the Guadalupe River in downtown San Jose. But along the way, the stream is impounded by the Lenahan Dam, where it forms the Lexington Reservoir. This man-made lake, which at capacity holds 19,044 acre-feet of water. Do not ask me to convert that to gallons. Just know it's a lot of water. It is the second largest reservoir in the Santa Clara Valley Water District. And beneath its waves lie the remains of two towns that were flooded by the need for more water in the valley. I used to volunteer and work at the Waterworks Museum in Boston. I ran the social media for the museum and did research on the collections. And this required that I learn a thing or two about reservoirs and water storage and systems and stuff like that. So I went down that rabbit hole, learning as much as I could about the water storage systems in Massachusetts, how Boston gets its water, where it comes from, all of that madness. And that interest eventually grew as I learned about other areas, and particularly when I started researching the drought here in California. Learning about the drought got me a little obsessed, just tiny, teeny tiny obsessed, with checking the reservoir levels. On the California Department of Water Resources Reservoirs page, which is kind of cool. If you're interested, I would recommend checking it out. That eventually got me interested in learning more about the reservoirs themselves. Back in Massachusetts, we only have two reservoirs, the Wachusett and the Quabbin. And the Quabbin has four towns buried underneath, Dana, Enfield, Greenwich, and Prescott. I became obsessed with these towns, guys. Like, I went so far as to drag my dad out to Petersham along the northeast shore of the Quabbin Reservoir just so we could hike about two miles in to find the remains of Dana Town Common. And then I made him spend an entire day in the muggy, humid, grassy forest finding, like, walls and... The remains of cars it was it was pretty cool and kind of trippy and kudos to the Girl Scouts who did their like highest level of Girl Scout that you can attain I don't know what it is because I didn't make it past a junior but some Girl Scouts did their like big project uh about the town and they put up like all these cool plaques telling you like what the buildings used to be and pictures of what they used to be like it was really cool so if you're ever out there I would recommend checking it out. So when I was researching the reservoirs here in California, I knew there had to be towns that had been disincorporated and flooded in the interest of providing sources of fresh water to the towns and farms nearby or not so nearby. There are about 1,300 named reservoirs in California, so you can only imagine how many towns might have been disincorporated or relocated in order to create those reservoirs. And I just want to point out that when I say that towns were flooded I don't mean that people just woke up one morning to see their houses slowly starting to fill with water. Um, Water management authorities would let residents know ahead of time that their town was in the perfect spot for a reservoir and would buy their land normally like ridiculously below market value. And a lot of people would choose to stay Um, until the very last minute, because you know it's their house, it's their land, it's where they grew up, they don't wanna leave. Uh, But in general, people were given plenty of time to pack up and restart their lives elsewhere. If you drive on Highway 17 through Los Gatos, you can see the Lexington Reservoir on either side of the highway. But before the highway and the reservoirs and even the railroad, there were two towns in this area, Lexington and Alma. Starting out as a sawmill built in 1848, Lexington became an actual town when it was purchased by Zachariah Jones and called the area Jones Mill. In 1860, the town was renamed to Lexington after a property owner's hometown of Lexington, Kentucky. The sawmill, which took advantage of the booming lumber business in the Santa Cruz Mountains, was the first in Santa Clara County. The town eventually became a stop on the stagecoach route between Los Gatos and Santa Cruz, and with stagecoaches eventually came booze. Alcohol was illegal in Los Gatos in the late 1800s, but not in Lexington, so there were plenty of saloons in town for both visitors and residents alike to quench their thirst. 23 years after Lexington was first founded, the town of Alma was established, and it was considered a counterpart to Lexington, and it was also a rest stop along the stagecoach route. When the railroad was built in 1880, it bypassed Lexington, perhaps what some would call a wretched hive of scum and villainy, in favor of the less scandalous Alma. On top of this snub by the railroad, the lumber industry had begun to decline, forcing the mines and the lumber mills to move out of Lexington. It was at this point that the town of Lexington began to decline, Eventually, its post office was even transferred to ALMA. But ALMA didn't survive much longer. There were major storms in the 1940s that damaged the railroad tracks leading into town, forcing people to begin using Highway 17, which completely bypassed ALMA. Eventually, both towns faded away, leaving behind traces of their existence. In what used to be ALMA, there's a bridge that once crossed the Los Gatos Creek, stamped 1926 and if the water in the reservoir gets low enough, you can see that bridge. There's a lot of pictures out uh, from the most recent drought when the reservoir got extremely low, and you can see photos of that bridge. Eventually, the expansion of the orchard industry in Santa Clara necessitated additional water supplies, and the sites of Lexington and Alma were chosen as the perfect place to create a reservoir. The Los Gatos Creek ran right through the little valley, allowing for the impounding of the stream to create a man-made lake that would sustain the agricultural business. The construction of the Lexington Dam started in 1952, but in times of extreme drought, like the most recent one, you can still see traces of Lexington and Alma at the bottom of the reservoir. Like I said, there are dozens of disincorporated towns that now lie at the bottom of reservoirs throughout California. If I were to tell you about all of them, you'd fall asleep before this episode ended. For now, I want to tell you about the towns underneath the two largest reservoirs in the state, Shasta and Oroville. Shasta Lake actually has eight towns beneath it, which makes sense considering it is the largest reservoir in the state, holding a massive 4552000 thousand acre feet of water. Someone with real math skills, go ahead and do that conversion to gallons for me and watch your jaw fall to the floor. Beneath Shasta are the remains of the towns of Kennett, Morley, Baird, Copper City, Elmore, Etter, Pitt, and Winthrop. Heyo, Massachusetts. I did quite a lot of noodling around online to learn a bit more about these towns, but I could really only find information about Kennet, which was the largest town flooded by the reservoir. The area around Kennet was originally home to several groups of Wintu Native Americans before being settled by European Americans. The town was first built as a mining town in the 1850s when gold was discovered nearby, and eventually grew to mine copper ore as the railroad brought more people to town. Like many small mining towns, the economy of Kennett prospered during World War I, when the price of metals went up. Unfortunately, the end of the war meant the beginning of a depression, as the peacetime economy couldn't support the wartime levels of workers. The largest mine in town closed in 1923, killing Kennet's economy and forcing many people to leave for good. Kennett was disincorporated in 1931, and in 1935, construction on Shasta Dam began. According to every source that I looked at there are no records that anyone in the federal or state government discussed the matter of building a reservoir with the remaining residents of Kennett. Most people sold their homes quickly though as I mentioned previously some stayed until the water from the impounded Sacramento River began to creep into their homes. By 1944 the town was completely flooded. What remains now lies under roughly 400 feet of water give or take depending on the levels of the lake. If you wanna see some really great photographs of Kennet during its heyday, I would recommend checking out the collection of digitized photographs held by CSU Chico. They've got a great collection online that I'll link to on Twitter and on my blog where I'm going to be posting transcripts for my podcast since I just figured out you can't link things on SoundCloud. The last reservoir I want to talk about is Oroville. If you've been paying attention to local news the past few months, you'll know about the spillway break at Oroville, but for those of you that don't, I'll give you a super quick refresher. Uh, This past winter was an extremely wet one for California, which is great because the state's been suffering through a huge drought for the past few years. It's been recorded as the wettest winter in Northern California for over 100 years. But because of all the rain and snow melt, the spillway at Lake Oroville needed to be opened to relieve pressure on the dam wall. Uh, But after even more rain, the rate of the flow along the spillway went up to 50,000 cubic feet of water per second, and a hole started opening up in the concrete spillway. And of course, because of how much water was still pouring into the lake, there was no choice but to keep using the damaged spillway, which only made the hole worse. And a few days later the emergency spillway had to get activated, but that's literally just this earthen spillway. It isn't concrete, and it hasn't been used since the dam was finished in the 1960s. So between the use of the two spillways, all of the debris and dirt is causing issues in the Feather River below. And of course, during all of this, uh, almost... 200,000 people had to be evacuated from the area in case the dam broke. And y'all, you know I was following this thing like most people follow soap opera dramas. I was obsessed. So of course now there's this big investigation into what happened with the primary spillway. And meanwhile, it's like completely destroyed. So the state is working overtime to fix it before this coming winter. Um, If you want to know more about it, I'm gonna share a link to KQED's timeline of events. Because they did an incredible job of just posting to the same blog post and just updating it constantly with photos and more information of what's going on with the spillway. But before Oroville even existed, there was a town called Bidwell's Bar, once a gold mining camp in Butte County, northeast of Sacramento, at the end of one of the legs of the California Trail. It was founded by John Bidwell, who led the first emigrant party, the bidwell bartleson party, west to California and established the California Trail. And if you listened to the first episode of this podcast, you know that already. At its peak, the town had a population of around 2,000 people but quickly declined as gold in the area disappeared. And as is the story with so many towns flooded by reservoirs, it was eventually abandoned for greener pastures and flooded with the construction of the Oroville Dam in 1968. The town is actually designated as a California national landmark, and I would assume there is a marker of some sort around the reservoir. Now it's the second largest reservoir in the state, and Lake Oroville holds 3,537,577 acre-feet of water at capacity. Which is why the spillway emergency was such a big deal. Uh, I would also recommend, in addition to the KQED article that I'm going to share, checking out the videos that the California Department of Water Resources is producing about the, the Oroville spillway. They are doing drone footage of the reconstruction of the spillway, and it's pretty cool. But as I said, There are dozens and dozens of towns that suffered the same fate as Lexington and Alma, Kennett and Bidwell's Bar, buried beneath trillions of gallons of water to supply this massive state with hydration and irrigation for crops. So, again, check out the links I'll share and feel free to tweet me if you have questions because seriously, this episode could have gone on for hours. So, that's going to do it for this episode of A Noble Earthquake. Thanks so much for joining me. If you have questions or feedback, you can get in touch by tweeting me at noble earthquake, or you can send an email to a earthquake at gmail.com. Thanks again to Utopia Ohio for letting me use their track Coyote California as the intro and outro of the podcast. And stay tuned for the next episode. We're going to focus on some summary themes for August.